Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back. It is Sunday lunchtime and we have assembled the emergency Cobra pod because Scotland won the Calcutta Cup down at Twickenham, their first win in London for 38 years yesterday. So we had to get together to give you our reactions to it. Um, as ever, it is David, Alan and Matt and we are on absolute cloud nine. Alan, how's the head this morning? Yeah, not great. Sort of... Uh got quite pissed, sort of neglecting my child a little bit, sort of pre and sort of post-match. And um, yeah, but went to bed a happy man. What a, what a result. An absolutely unbelievable. I was like emotionally and physically drained at full time. Matt, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I luckily don't have a child to neglect, but, uh, you know, I've had just a great, great day overall. Like watching it on Zoom was all with a few, few pals was, uh, quite a bizarre experience, but actually to see everyone kind of celebrating at the end, well, most of us, apart from the English guys, was was actually was pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, it was just an incredible day. Well, it's certainly going to be a day to remember, particularly for a number of people on their debuts, um, Dave Cherry and Cameron Redpath, and we will come back to look back at some individual performances throughout this emergency pod. But just a quick reminder of our brand new sponsors, um, Rob Mack, and wow, what a start to their sponsorship with the Thistle. They're straight in, and England... Um, we beat England for the first time at Twickenham in over 30 years. Unbelievable. The guys at Rob Mack uh, are independent financial advisors specializing in mortgage management, financial planning, and investments. We know the team at Rob Mack well, and they will have been absolutely loving the game yesterday, just as everyone else was. Um, so if you need any of those services, um, 
get in touch with them, robmac.co.uk. Thanks very much. They are an undefeated sponsor. What an amazing position for them to be in. Um, guys, so where do you want to start? Matt, I'm going to come to you. Um, and I think we talked about it on a preview pod on Thursday. Um, we spoke about the um, the big game that Finn Russell had to have. If Scotland were going to win, it was going to be on the back of a mercurial Russell. It didn't quite turn out that way, did it? No, I, I saw that BBC Sport gave him man of the match, which I was really quite surprised by. I, I don't think he had a terrible game. It, it's just that quite a few of the little, the little kicks, the little things that he does try didn't quite come off. Um, the, the yellow card seemed a, a bit a bit of a kind of hot-headed move. Um, and it, it, it sort of seemed like the big performances were coming from, from the rest of the team. Um, but, you know, I, I think once again, like, it, it doesn't affect him at all. He'll keep playing. He'll keep having a shot. And, you know, he, he was very close to setting up Duhan for that try and then, you know, put, put his backs in the position to, to put Duhan in eventually. I, guess. I, thought, I thought we saw an awful, the sort of fool Russell yesterday. There was some lovely passes, um, lovely little interplays with Cam Redpath. And I thought the variety of his kicking was fantastic. But then we also saw the yellow card and we saw him, I don't know, quite literally lose his mind when he was going for that drop goal on 79 minutes and, you know, cardiac arrests in Scotland went through the roof. It was, um, it was insane, wasn't it, Alan? I think momentarily, yeah, the whole team sort of lost their minds. You know, just the fact that Scott Steele decided to throw the pass to Finn, and then not only did he obviously see that his um, his right foot drop kick was going to be charged down, so he then decided to slot it onto the left, which is actually quite a baller move, and um, and then subsequently get charged down. And there was that moment where you had sort of six England players, and then basically just Hogg and Russell. And sort of, as you said, panic kind of set in. And then Scott Steele, straight off the back of that ruck, kind of uh, box kicked it, kind of into the, um, just, all, well, into the dead ball area. And at that moment, I think around 79 and a half minutes, I, I genuinely thought we were going to lose the match. <laughs> but what did you think of Russell throughout that sort of two-minute madness at the end? But what did you think of Russell's performance sort of for the rest of the game? I think... You know, and and maybe we're just, I'm just sort of saying this because I think you know Russell's had so many great games for Scotland, but I think on the sort of spectrum of good to bad, I think that's you know that's pretty bang bang average, and I think you're right in the sense that there was sort of moments of absolute brilliance, both in terms of his kicking. I thought his bombs were 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 pretty were were really well um, placed, yeah, and you know specifically for people yeah. like Maitland and Duhan to chase, they were they were either able to kind of go up and compete or kind of they were landing literally just as the the Scotland players were getting there. But I did think that actually, when you sort of look back at it, there wasn't that many periods where sort of Scotland were building like a lot of like attacking phases of play. And actually, you know, a lot of this was down to the weather in the second half. You know, they just sort of brought it in more kind of quite tight and just sort of played the percentages with sort of Russell, Hogg, and actually both Steele and Price having a pretty spectacular kicking performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where to go next? If um, Stuart Hogg was given the man of the match, and if it wasn't, um, if it, uh, BBC have obviously given it to Finn, did you agree with Hoggy getting man of the match? His um, his return for the spiral, we've had one email, um, which has called for Stuart Hogg's 
spiral kick specifically to be made the European city of culture. So Matt, have you got a view on that? <laughs> um, no, I, I was probably quite surprised just because there were so many good performers in the, in the pack. Um, and I think that, you know, any one of Turner, Gray, Watson, Fagerson times two could have probably taken the, the man of the match. But then you, you sort of look at his stats and you know, he, he beat eight defenders, um, which was as, as much as the entire England team combined, yeah, um, 88 metres. And I think that his those spirals, those sort of relieving kicks came at really important times. Um, they were sort of big moments in the game. And, you know, I, I think he was, it, it seemed as if through those moments, he was taking the game by the scruff of the neck and, and that was how he was demonstrating his his leadership. So in the end, I was actually pretty pretty happy with him getting that man of the match. But obviously, as I said, there were, there were so many good performances throughout the team. I think we've talked about it as well is, you know, this probably over the last sort of 12, 18 months, it's always felt a little bit like Hogs trying to force the issue. And I think partly that's just because of the, his sort of character and potentially being sort of captain and trying to prove himself in that role. But it's also been because there hasn't been much kind of happening kind of either kind of inside him and he's felt the need to try and bring that sort of creative edge. And I think the one thing that he did yesterday was he really seemed to sort of pick his moments really well. There was the one moment in the first half when him and Russell got into a bit of an issue when he tried to sort of take on the first man and got caught. But apart from that, the, the two or three moments where he, he really, he, he went, he went for it. He was beating men, he was making breaks and then, as you said, the moments he did choose to kick, they were really big moments and it really sort of swung the momentum, you know, pinning England back. It's, it's almost, to be fair, how we felt in a lot of kind of historically sort of England and Scotland games where you've had either someone like Johnny Wilkinson back in the day or kind of Owen Farrell, maybe sort of pre sort of 2018, where, you know, Scotland are sort of fighting to get back in the game and then you just kind of get pinned back in those corners and there's just like nothing more demoralising. Yeah, I think that's a really, really, really good point. I think it, it certainly felt that particularly that one ranging sort of 75-metre spiral, to put that in the, on England's five-metre line, you just you can almost feel the morale draining out of the England side. It's, um, it's a phenomenal weapon, and um, if you can tune that in and get it going more and more, Scotland are only going to be from strength to strength. Um, another big area of our conversation on Thursday um, was at Hooker. You know, injury has forced us into the third and fourth choice um, in George Turner and Dave Cherry. But, I mean, you talk about potential candidates for man of the match. George Turner should have been up there, um, you would have thought, Matt. Yeah, he was unbelievable. I think from the start, in, in a period when Scotland were under a bit of pressure, when Ali Price had been charged down twice by Itoji, um, one of which was a, a resulted in a line-out sort of close to... Scotland's line and those are big pressure moments you know we we talked about him potentially overthrowing those to to an oncoming um Billy Vinopola but he absolutely nailed those basics and then from that point onwards seemed to get you know his confidence up and he, he was you know absolutely bang on the money um I think that probably Gray Gray I thought the line out was incredible as well so I think that that helped a lot I mean we know what he can do in the loose like he's so he's so dynamic but he's also a good ball player and and you saw that best example of that was him 
uh, the give and take to, to do hand for the try. Time has passed absolute perfection. So, you know, our worries about the line out just shows exactly how much we know about rugby. <laughs> As we said, I think, I don't think anything we said on the pod last week was incorrect. I think, no. Historically, Turner has been a little bit susceptible to having quite shit arrows. And <laughs> like yesterday, thankfully, and I'm very happy about it, he had fucking banging arrows, which is great. And and you know, as you said, you know, I think we've always known he's he's pretty he's pretty good in in the in the loose. And I was a little bit worried at the start. There was a couple of times where he had the ball where I almost felt he maybe got like a little bit physically dominated by the England pack. But you know, he's he's definitely someone who's who's more than happy to kind of um, roll up his sleeves and kind of put his head in places where you know most people wouldn't. And I thought you know. In defence, especially sort of post just post half time, he he really was putting in maybe not such dominant tackles, but tackles where players stop. And no, it was great. And I think we said, you know, not only did obviously Turner have a great game, but when Cherry came on, there was this sort of key period of play, sort of between maybe sixty five and sort of sixty eight minutes, where it really was a kind of Scottish defence the whole the whole the whole way through. And it ended up, you know, England didn't move out of kind of like a five meter channel and ended up with Dan Robson kind of box kicking it and kind of putting it over the, the Scotland try line. And and actually when you watch that, some of the big biggest hits in that series of play was sort of David Cherry who'd just come off the bench. And I think, you know, we talked a lot about the impact of that England bench, but I actually thought around kind of that sixty, sixty five minute mark, the scrum if the Scotland scrum was starting to weaken mm. a little bit, it felt like England were maybe making a few kind of extra yards. And then you had in quite in a small period of time, Kebble, Nell, Cherry, Gray and Graham all come on the pitch. And I really felt all sort of lo- looked like they were making a really big impact in that defence. I think Cherry in particular is an absolute savage. There's a couple of those tackles where he just seemed to be like, like catapulting himself at English ankles. And they were just like stopping everything at source. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it was um, a phenomenal 20 minute debut. And then a lovely little touch for him and uh, him to get to lift the Calcutta Cup as well. That's, uh, that's a hell of a debut for a 30 year old. It's a hell of a lot of narrative paying off for um, the Cherry family, which you love to, you love to see. Um, I mean, sticking with the pack, um, we also talked on Thursday about, you know, Tom Curry versus. Hamish Watson as, you know, the battle for the Lions 7 jersey. I mean, Hamish Watson, from sort of start to finish, literally the final play of the game, ripping the ball and shinning it into touch. He was absolutely everywhere. Is that one of the sort of best Scottish 7 performances you've seen, Matt? 100%. I think we we talked about it before, just that the ability to put in those performances away from home is maybe what has put Watson in that sort of second tier of back row players in many people's eyes. But I thought he was absolutely incredible yesterday. Um, so rewatching the game today, he sort of did a bit of a player cam and his, his engine, I think it's quite easy to uh, focus on the, the big runs and the, the turnovers, but he's absolutely everywhere. Um, that, that moment when Finn and Hogg completely mucked up in the backfield and Scotland under pressure, it's suddenly Hamish Watson, absolutely out of nowhere picking the ball up in his own 22 you think how on earth has he got there um 
Uh, yeah, he he was absolutely incredible, and I, I just I just hope that that's the kind of performance that Gatland, who we know was in the stand watching, will make him think. Yeah, this is this is the kind of guy, like one of those, you know, it's a kind of cliched phrase, but the test match animals. He he's yeah. one of those guys that he can take on a on a Lions tour if it, if it ever yeah. happens. A lot of carrying in heavy traffic for him. Twelve carries for twenty three meters. Four defenders beaten, um, which is a pretty decent a pretty decent return. Chuck eleven tackles on top of that, and a handful of turnovers. That is a pretty decent day at um, at the office. Another decent day at the office. Matt Fagerson brought that sort of um, aggression that we were really hoping to hoping he would, didn't he, Alan? Yeah, I think if you look at sort of the full suite of back row players who are on the pitch, I think. You would say that Watson and Ferguson were the two, the two standouts, and I know we'd sort of maybe chatted a little bit about the doubts of of uh, Ferguson starting in number eight, and and sort of potentially about the merits of Graham starting. Obviously, Tooney's kind of kept his face with faith with Ferguson, and yeah, he had an absolute absolute storm of a match. I think both his sort of work rate and then also his sort of physicality just kind of shone through, and I think you know. He he clearly has probably now has that shirt nailed down potentially for, for sort of the rest of the the rest of the series because you, know, you compare as you said Watson and Ferguson to Curry and Vunapola who you would kind of assume are pretty bankers for the Lions and I would say they 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 outshone their opposite men. Hmm. Billy V three carries for zero meters. That is not a classic Billy Vunapola stat line. It's not good for my fantasy um, team. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not. It's not good for your fantasy yeah, team. That's ridiculous. Yeah, Matt Ferguson for um, on the other side of that. Sixteen carries for thirty. Two defenders beaten. I know it's um, slightly sort of off track, but I think you know one of the if go back to sort of the Scotland try, and I think actually that period of play was 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 really nice. Where you had obviously the bomb from Russell Maitland put it back to to Ferguson. And Ferguson, rather than just sort of kind of hitting contact and going to ground, really, you know, basically treated Johnny May as a child and yeah. sort of threw him to the ground, kind of got that extra kind of five, ten meters, which then gave Scotland that quick ball, sucked in some more defenders. And then I know we'll sort of go to the backs, but actually one of the nicest, piece, you know, the, one of the nicest bits of that was you had essentially Price to Russell to Redpath to Hogg to Turner, to Duhan, and actually completed, which was probably like a six on four or five. And it was nice to see Scotland kind of put away a chance like that, which I think even sort of last year, it felt like that that sort of play was a little bit a little bit missing. I think mm. when you actually look at it, Hawk yeah. really holds, I, can't, I think it might have been a Toji, but he just holds a Toji just a little bit, maybe like a second long, longer than I think most players normally do. And it just gave Turner the ability just to kind of gain some more yards before giving it to Duhan. And I think it was just, it was just nice to sort of see Scotland. I know I appreciate kind of the weather sort of restricted their ability in the second half, but it was nice to see Scotland kind of get that quick ball and then be able to kind of put away a chance like that. 100%. And we'll come back to discuss whether Scotland should have won by more or should have been taking their points uh, slightly others. But there's plenty of other players that we want to talk about. If we if we do jump into the into the backs, um, there's a hell of a uh, hell of a debut from young Cameron Redpath. Lots of narrative um, and column inches in the week running up to it. Um, but Matt, the big question on everyone's lips is Cameron Redpath's left boot 
officially considered to be a cultured left boot or has he got more work to do there? Uh, just, just before I answer that, I, I, I enjoyed Alan introducing another kind of phrase there, which was the, the full suite of the back row, which I've never, <laughs> never heard that description before. It might be similar kind of consulting businessy term as brand equity, but <laughs> sorry, I, I couldn't let that slide. I think Alan should do like a sort of McKinsey course, but on like, but <laughs> applicable only for Scotland rugby. I'd, I'd attend that. That would be good. Um, that would be so good. So, yeah, no, exactly. Returning to the, the pressing matter yeah. of cultured left boots. Uh, is he actually left footed or was that just that one kick that he did? It's a really good question. If he's not left footed, it was a fantastic kick or from a wrong foot. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe we need to we need to double check that. But yeah, for a guy making his international debut, it, it was to the manner born. I thought it was really impressive from the start. You know, taking on Curry from his own 22, which maybe Curry wasn't expecting, uh, making that nice break. Then his sort of next big involvement was taking the ball flat off the lineout from an alley price pass, which. You know, he doesn't maybe seem as that kind of crash ball center. He's sort of more of that second playmaker. But he hit a great line, got Scotland over the game line. And then an- another one straight off the top from from Turner. And I think just in general, you know, Townsend talked about that, like, kind of winning mentality that he has. And I just thought the fact he seemed so up for it. Like, there's one point where he rushed out of the line to try and smash Billy Vinopoli. I think he, he gave away a penalty in the process, but kind of showed how sort of fearless he is uh, and then gained a pretty crucial turnover later in, in the game. So I think all those things about, you know, his, his ability to give and take a pass and, and create space was what I was expecting. But his ability to get over the game line and his sort of tenacity and aggression were like a, a really sort of pleasant surprise, I suppose. And was the um, Russell Redpath axis everything you were hoping it to be, Alan? To be honest, I I don't think we saw too much of it. Um, And I think I'm kind of hoping that potentially with sort of the Scotland-Wales game, if we can get some better conditions, then you might actually see see a bit more of it. Because I think the the game really was about kind of the Scotland forwards kind of winning that battle. and, And then our backs, most of the time, sort of, kind of kicking smartly and kind of playing playing when it was on. Um, but I think kind of the moments that we saw, and I think the try again is a good example of that, where it was kind of Price behind a couple of forwards to, to Russell and then Russell behind a couple of forwards to Redpath and Redpath again, just really able to quickly kind of throw a pass to Hogg, which he was able to run onto. It's just a good example of what that combo gives us. And I think you know, whilst obviously someone like Sam Johnson is is a great player, he just doesn't have that quality of distribution that Redpath has. I, I think the other moment was just the, where we saw it in play quite nicely was just before that for the the missed Duhan chance where you had Redpath taking it at first receiver, able to take it to the line, Harris coming on a dummy line, and and then that sort of roll ball back to yeah to yeah. Russell. So that that's the kind of thing that I'm I'm hoping. Uh, you know, Scotland can deploy a bit more throughout the coming tournament. But Redpath just kind of has like that all-core game that is such a threat that I think almost it takes a bit of the pressure off off Russell, which is only a good thing. So for the first sort of five to ten minutes, one player that looked certainly 
under the cosh was Ali Price because obviously Atoje got that early charge down on him and it looked like he was maybe, you know, getting to him a little bit. But Alan, he, he seemed to sort of get into the game. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what the sort of the issue was. It did feel, especially on Price's box kicks, that he was under more pressure than any other scrum half, you know, both in terms of the England scrum half, but also when Scott Steele came on, he seemed to not not look as under as much pressure. And I don't know whether it was protection or whether it's sort of just how Ali Price kicks the ball. And, you know, ultimately kind of all, all the nightmares kind of flooded into screen in the first sort of minute. I generally thought England were in for a try um, when Itoji uh, charged down Price. Then obviously it happened a second time. But I think, you know, I, I actually really thought Price had a really good game. I think he sort of chose his moments to pass. I think his kicks in general were were on the money. I think in you know potentially a few of them went a little bit far, but they were kept very close to the touchline. And it just continues to feel with Price that that gap between him and all the rest of the scrum halves in Scotland just continues to grow. And no, I thought I thought it was good to see. I think his left boot is just becoming such a great asset for for Scotland in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was one kick in particular, which um, in the di- not the dying minutes, but the last sort of ten, fifteen minutes, where he turned everybody and sort of dug it into the corner in in the England twenty-two, just to sort of that that release that pressure valve again, which I thought was really useful and reminiscent from the last ten minutes when he did a fantastic job in closing out the Wales game at the end of the the last Six Nations. Um, I think it would be good to get. Um, once George Horn is fit again and playing a little bit more rugby, um, because I do think that he, you know, pushes Price a little bit more than perhaps a Scott Steele would in terms of, um, I guess, for that Scotland number nine jersey, because he is a completely different proposition. Um, one of the beneficiaries from all that that good kicking was Sean Maitland. I think a lot of people pre-kickoff would have probably had Darcy Graham in that um, jersey, but I think. Matt, would you agree that we saw the reason why Tooney put his faith in Maitland yesterday? Yeah, 100%. He's he's just so solid. Uh, and we saw that in not only his kick chase game, but he dealt really well with the England kicking game as well. And just defensively, he doesn't really miss a, miss a beat. Um, and then he, he actually managed to, to make quite a lot of meters in the end, which I maybe wasn't aware of at the time, but then you think back and he made one pretty nice break. Um, yeah. And it's it's quite interesting. Like there's sort of been this narrative around the the Saracens players, you know, coming into this game undercooked. And I, I get that wing and say number eight, very different positions, but Maitland didn't really look as if he's, he was struggling. He still looked like a, you know, the sort of thoroughbred that, that he is, which I, I thought was quite interesting. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. An unbelievably good day at the office for him uh, yesterday. And we've already touched... Touched on Hoggy. Um, Duhan obviously got himself a try. Um, speaking of thoroughbreds, he is an absolute specimen um, and got the, the try that was ultimately the difference between the two sides. Um, Alan, did you still think there was maybe there's still more to come from Duhan and if we can get him into the game a little bit more? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, ultimately, I think you look at all those back three players, they all bring something slightly different. I think Maitland just gives you that consistency. And you know his ability to sort of compete under the high ball. We know Hogg's sort of kicking and running game, and then Duhan's got that power. And I think the great thing about all three is they all sort of brought that to the fore at sort of certain different points in the match, and we're all really, really influential. You know, the fact that Duhan can bosh Billy is an absolute joke. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how he's so strong. But you know, I think Tom English. Um, wrote in his sort of column he's like Duhan sort of ran through Elliot Daly like he was like a speck of dust on his jacket or something like that which uh <laughs> is a bit of a weird sort of turn of phrase but you know ultimately he did he, he literally ran through Daly like there's <laughs> it wasn't an issue and I think you know ultimately there's very few wingers I think in the world who could have actually finished that try and I think he's one of them I think you'd see you know probably people like Caleb Clark um but it's it's that that finish was actually really difficult and just sort of yeah. show again shows what he brings to the team that's sort of slightly different to anyone else i just think in in scotland we don't really produce people like him naturally whereas in south africa there's an absolute conveyor belt yeah. and yeah i think i, I think I, what i liked was there was clearly a bit of a plan to get him running off 10 or 12 as much as possible. Um, which, you know, I think is a great tactic because he is such a, a unit and you want to get him as involved as as possible. 100%. I mean, getting him involved as possible. He did a very sweet interview with the um, Scottish Rugby's um, uh, official channels. I expect it was an exclusive, uh, knowing those guys always getting the exclusives from Scotland players. Um <laughs> But, which, you know, he said some very nice things about um, how proud he was to play for Scotland and inspiring a nation, which is really nice to hear, obviously, from somebody who's who's sort of come in through the qualified player status um, sort of route. What I did absolutely love is that he said he couldn't wait to see the fans at a sold-out BT Murrayfield. And that sort of message discipline, that... Uh, is just you know amazing for somebody that's um, that's that's sort of new to new to the system. He's just taken to a duck to water to the marketing speak, which he loved to see. So you and me have sort of um, seen that in slightly different lights. I had assumed that he thinks the stadium's actually called sold out BT Murrayfield. <laughs> I, I generally I, I wonder whether he thinks the sponsor of the stadium is sold out BT. No. I don't know the way he says it. I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. It might, I mean, it might as well be. 
because it has to be sort of is shoved down your throat in every bit of sort of SOU marketing material. Um, I'd absolutely love it if he thinks this, the stadium's called Sold Out BT. To be fair, for the whole time he's been probably in the SOU network, it has only been referred to as Sold Out BT Murrayfield. So maybe he's he's just come to that conclusion. Maybe he has. Well, good luck to him anyway. Um, I don't think it's still going to be a wee while until we get a sold out BT Murrayfield. Um, but I thought it was good to see him uh, out there and talking about it. We've we've done a bit of a canter through the whole team there and sort of pulled out individual performances. I think if we step back a little bit and, and look at the wider um, the wider points of the game, Matt, do you think Scotland should have won by more? Well, there was, there was definitely points left out there. Finn Russell missed that penalty chance. He missed the conversion of the Duhan try. And Hogg, as maybe we expected, missed one of his speculative kicks at goal. So what's that? That's eight points left out there um, in terms of direct chances. But then at the same time, th- there were quite a few instances when Scotland went to the corner off kickable penalties and came away with nothing. Now, I think if, if England had been a bit more on their game, then that might have become an issue. But as it was, it wasn't at the time. It, it seems as if Scotland for a while now have had a bit of an inability to score off the back of rolling malls. And I, I, I'm not quite sure of the reasons why, but I think it's quite rare, with the exception of maybe Wales in the last six nations, that you see Scotland setting up that mall and scoring from it. When yeah, you know, I think I think yesterday they were in actually a very good position to do that on sort of three or four occasions. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think I think that they they probably could have could have won by more with those with those direct chances. Um, but you know, we're still, I'm not complaining too much. You can't complain too much. But we we look ahead, and we'll be doing another pod later in the week once the team for the Wales game is announced. Wales coming to Edinburgh next weekend. Alan, that's got to be not just a must win, but a should win for Scotland now? Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to work out whether lockdown might kind of um, close up so we can watch the, watch the Grand Slam together. It's uh, going to be Scotland-Italy 2-15, last game of the Six Nations. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it's going to be going to be an absolute dream. So yeah, I'm lo- I'm launching a an, one of those change.org petitions for Nicola Sturgeon to drop all lockdown if Scotland win um, the Grand Slam. I don't know. We had 24 hours for Christmas. I feels like 24 hours of the Grand Slam is is a fair is a fair position. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know how in the you know, like you know how in the festival they pedestrianise George Street. They should do that for um, 24 hours, and we'll do a live pod at like the top of the mall, and then it's like. <laughs> It'll be like the Queen's like Diamond Jubilee, just like thousands and thousands of pissed people and us at the front, like leading the charge. How good would that be? <laughs> just on the balcony of Harvey Nicks, just with Mike. On the balcony of Harvey Nicks. <laughs> the team just coming out. Oh man. <laughs> well we know we know Nicola's a we know Nicola's a big fan of the pod, so Nicola, consider this the um, the start of the campaign. Yeah, it's um, it feels like Nicola, you know, is a bigger fan of the Scottish rugby team than she is probably Scottish football team. It feels like she's got a soft spot for them. I think like the SRU are quite are well um have dealt with COVID an awful lot better than the SFA. Um I think that's the the generally accepted wisdom. Um 
so yeah, I think she's in quite a good spot. I did quite like it that she put out that photo on her Instagram of her drinking out the Calcutta Cup from 2018. Yeah. Um, it was God, a- what would have been in that? That could have been anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. That <laughs> genuinely could have been anything. <laughs> To be fair, Boris put up a tweet like congratulating Scotland, and he got so much abuse. <laughs> it's just absolute fodder. Yeah, that was never going to go down yeah. particularly well, was it? I know. It's like I know he's got to do it, but he, yeah, probably it wasn't the finest his his finest moment. Um, what were we talking about there? The Grand Slam. I mean. Alan, we've just won a game. We've won one game of the Six Nations. But if we can beat England at Twickenham, can Scotland win the Six Nations this year? I'm not going to talk about the Grand Slams. Can they win the Six Nations? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, broadly, I think there's a high, high likely chance that no team goes through this, this tournament um, winning every match. And I think, you know, that France away game we all know is going to be super difficult and obviously France looked pretty pretty electric against you know a relatively poor Italy team. I just wonder whether it would be peak Scotland to win all four games and then lose to Italy at home. <laughs> like that would be a real that'd be a real <laughs> emotional blow. Um imagine that. Just like throw three intercept passes in like the first twenty minutes, you're like, oh my god, it's it's this day again. I th- but you know ultimately I think there's there's a chance. I think England away I I had pinned that down as the hardest game for Scotland going into going into the tournament. I still think that Twickenham and England as a team, I, I think the Scotland players would see that as a bigger hurdle than France. I think those those the players in the Scotland team yeah. have have beaten all the, those French teams on multiple yeah. occasions, and ultimately, you know, Stade de France, you know, with no crowd, I I don't think they'll go into that match. You're believing that a win's too far out of reach. Matt, what do you reckon? We're going to win. <laughs> I, I think it will be, next week will be very interesting without the Murrayfield factor, because I do think that, that the absence of a crowd at Twickenham yesterday did help Scotland a lot. And mm. I think that in recent years, we've had a very good home record, and that has been down to the fact that the stadiums have been sold out. I, I wonder, you know, uh, maybe because they've beaten England without that crowd noise, they, they say to themselves, well, we can still put in a good performance. It doesn't matter. But I think that does take away something slightly from, from Scotland. But but at the same time, I think if you'd said to them, um, right, we're going to give you, you've won the first game and then you've got, um, two home games in a row, you know that, that they would be absolutely delighted being put in that position. So I, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead. I think that Wales will still be a really tough match. It always is, but we've put ourselves in a great position. Oh dear, is it? It's it's the strangest position, and the, the hope, the hope in the weeks build up, which you know got to like a sort of violent sort of froth sort of um, half past four yesterday there was lots of people messaging me being like I actually think we're going to do this it's a very strange position to be on the other side of that having it actually come true and winning the first game in the Six Nations so um, I think if we be- I think if we managed to beat Wales and then as you say going away to France um, but you know it's, it is bu- the best possible start and 
it is just great to to stick one on um, stick one on England and um, to send Eddie Eddie Jones to check out his um, his pride mortgage, whatever that even means. But you know, does this mean that we've now paid off our mortgage? Are we now owners of pride? I don't understand how the the analogy works for Eddie Jones. Yeah, because you presumably you would want to be the full owner of pride rather than be paying back on your mortgage. We're presumably paying interest on this borrowed pride from somewhere. Yeah. Like sort of the central pride bank. But is that I don't know. implying that they have this like massive, you know, high interest rate mortgage that, that they have to pay off? I don't I don't get it. I don't know, but I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to see it as he, he sort of does the he's such a good media man, yeah. Eddie Jones, and after the game, all he was was full of praise for for Scotland. I, and I think, you, yeah, like he he does get a lot of shit, and I think it's warranted pre match. But he he was gracious in defeat. To be fair to him, yeah, I mean, I think they've got to go and have a, it's, it. It was such was the manner of a Scotland victory, which is a strange thing to say that England are, will be asking significant questions about themselves. You would have thought, um, but maybe we're just getting ahead of ourselves, and it's just a, a one off. We will see what happens next week. Um, Anything else you lads want to cover off or should we let everyone get back to their Sunday afternoons? I was just going to say the, the, the maddest stat potentially from the match is clean breaks where Scotland mm. got 11 and England got zero. Literally zero clean breaks. According to ESPN, obviously. But just the fact that, you know, we haven't really talked much about England, but England in attack were generally pretty awful. I know there's that photo mm. that's been going around which has had sort of almost England sort of just post half time with obviously um, a player up and they've got a sort of seven on three and Farrell sort of kicks it through kicks straight, it to Hog- straight to Hoggy. And it just sort of their ineptitude in attack was, was pretty out- outstanding. Out- not astounding, not outstanding. <laughs> uh, I think if you look at the, um, at the sort of the coaches calls pre-match, You've got to say that everything that Tooney did, you know, backing Redpath, backing people like Maitland, backing Fagerson, has come off. Whereas, you know, Eddie Jones's faith in the Saracens lads, like Owen Farrell, um, etc., you know, hasn't come off at all because they looked really, really, they mm. looked really off the pace after halftime. So it, it felt very much like a coaching win for Tooney as well as a significant win for the players. To be fair, Eddie Jones has always talked about how highly he rates Gregor Townsend in terms of his yeah. rugby smarts. I think that I, I don't. I, I'm always pretty skeptical about these stats because that 11 clean breaks sounds ridiculous. And when you go on the official Six Nations site, it says that England did have zero line breaks and we had five. So maybe you land somewhere in the middle. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it goes to show like how much more. And the thing is, like, you know, you look, think back to when we maybe won games in the rain at Murrayfield. It's been a real sort of backs to the wall, rope a dope victory where, you know, sort of Patterson or Dan Parks kicks a few penalties. Yeah. But I think Scotland were rewarded for the fact that they were genuinely positive in the game in a, in a way that England just weren't. No, uh, 100% agreed. Um, it'd be interesting to see if England try and sort of change anything up I, I actually think in attack especially they really missed Ford I'm actually quite a big 
quite a big fan of Ford in a, in attack. And I think we've talked about a little bit. I just don't think Farrell is the right man to sort of lead lead that attack for England. Yeah, I think without um, without Tulangi, who puts them on the England are a great side if they're going forward. I think without Tulangi, that's the that's the big issue. And if you have Tulangi, it doesn't actually almost matter whether you've got Ford or Farrell inside him. But anyway, who cares? Uh, who cares? I've got one last question for you lads, which is on the tip of everyone's tongues, which is how many Scotland players now do you think are in contention for a Lions tour should one ha- happen this summer? <laughs> think Cam Redpath's going to go? It's, I mean, yeah, I think he, he's he an option. Could. He could. Alan, I remember back, I think it must have been 2017, just after we um, started the pod, and Matt Ferguson was just breaking through at Glasgow, and you said he was going to make it onto the Lions tour. I, yeah, you fe- I, I, you I, feeling yeah. good about that? I wasn't feeling good about it probably until yesterday. <laughs> it was a pretty yeah. outlandish call at the time, but it'd be a it'd be a pretty fantastic call. I do, I do always reminded my my cousin. Um, you, you I remember claiming that Ben Cairns was going to go on the O nine tour and uh, <laughs> and how these things kind of can look how look bad they can look in retrospect. But um, I don't know. We see it'd be interesting. Like I said, Billy V's kind of off the pace. I feel like Falatau is still sort of struggling with his form. And then, you know, it's Caelan Doris has obviously had some issues with with injury. So, you know, if Scotland can kind of come in that sort of top two or three and he continues to play obviously as well as he did yesterday, it's, you know, he's got a pretty fair chance. I guess I just don't know, again, how the fact that Glasgow and Edinburgh have been so bad, how much that will impact, um, mm. impact that selection. But, you know, there's, there's hardly anyone who's not in that starting mm. 15 yesterday who who's not in the conversation yeah i think i think that hopefully watson can continue to have a a good tournament like it and play like he did yesterday and i think he, that will cement his place on the tour richie maybe has a bit of work to do i thought he was he was maybe quietly impressive yesterday but compared to the six nations last year in particular i don't think he's quite uh playing to the to the same standards yeah and then I think that the guys that we've talked about before is, you know, maybe someone actually like Johnny Gray has really done his, his chances. He was he was incredible. Like he could have easily got man of the match. Out yep. of I think, away from home. You know, if that's not something that, that makes Gatland um, sort of reconsider the second rows that he's got in mind, you know, what, what else can he do, I suppose? Well, it's certainly one to keep... When uh, keep an eye on, and we certainly will be. Whether the tour is going ahead is another question, and we'll leave it for far more qualified voices to talk about that. Alan, what were you going to say? I was going to say there was a moment when Cummings' first try scorer looked like he oh. could be on the cards. There was sort of pick, <laughs> there was sort of people running off Price one or two meters out, and Cummings was one of those men. And I was like, and I was a hundred when I I know I saw a few people got eighty to one. I got a hundred to one. It would have been just a cold, sweet 200 quid just to add the cherry on top. But, you know, you can't have everything. So fair play. You can't, you can't have everything, sadly. Um, I did notice that because he's quite distinctive as well because he wears that light blue scrum hat. Um, so you, I was like, oh, God, he's there. So many people would have been making cash. I think the only other thing is, can you imagine the state of Scotland this morning if the pubs had been open? Oh. It's, almost like, it's almost like 
probably good for the health of the nation that the pubs were shut. <laughs> Fingers piano bar. Couldn't, can't even imagine how good it would have been. Oh, absolutely tearing it down. Owner of Fingers so... decides to like liquidate the whole business and just gives out free WKDs to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Announces its administration the day after, but it's so worth it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, lads, thanks for getting together on a Sunday afternoon. What an amazing way to top off uh, the weekend. We will be back. Um, I think, we're, are we playing next Sunday or is it next Saturday? Saturday. It's next Saturday, which means the squad will be announced on Thursday, Thursday lunchtime. So we'll be back with you on Thursday evening to do another pod previewing Wales coming to Murrayfield and Scotland going for two from two. In the meantime, sign up to the newsletter, which will be dropping in your inboxes tomorrow. That's the Thistle Scottish Rugby podcast on Substack. Search for that on Google and subscribe or check it out on our socials on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. The memes on Instagram are tearing it down. That is Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. We've had a lovely load of emails and we'll try and get into some more of those on um, Thursday. That's the thistle rugby at gmail.com. Um, and until then, give us some re- reviews on iTunes, but mostly just enjoy. Scotland are one from one, and we've got the Calcutta Cup at home. How good is that? Cheers. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.